as we start the new year, there's probably not a whole lot that you haven't heard about the Great Commission. But as 2023 has just begun, now is the time for us to take action and to implement all that we know, all that we've learned through the years. It's time for us to do something about it. I'm Damon Matachera. Let's talk missions. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. We're glad that you've tuned in and Happy New Year's. Uh, I don't know what you all did to celebrate. Uh, we had a really good time. We got together with other missionary families. We pooled all of our fireworks together and we had a giant bundle of fireworks. Probably the best, you know, home show that we've ever put on. Uh, and it, it was a lot of fun. It always is. It's great to start the new year with friends, with family. Uh, I did sit down and write my 23 things that I wanted to do or become in 2023. Uh, and, you know, I think it's good to have these New Year's resolutions. I know a lot of people, maybe they don't do it because they don't want to set themselves up for failure. Uh, and, you know, I think it's good to have goals. It's good to reach for things in your life. Uh, don't become complacent. Don't become lazy. But, but push yourself, push forward, try to be better, try to know Christ more, try to reach out and get to know other people around you. And I think that's a great goal to have. You know, it's really interesting as the clock turned from, you know, 11.59 to 12 o'clock and the brand new day started, everyone's hopes and dreams were renewed because a new year had begun. Isn't that really interesting? I mean, nothing changed. <laughs> really, not a whole lot changed besides that, that one minute. In the span of one minute, everyone had such new hope. You know, maybe they had a bad year. Maybe things didn't go too well. Maybe they went through some difficulties. And then 11.59 into 12 o'clock, Happy New Year, and life is better. Everything is better because their hope is in that new year. Their hope is that things will be better, that uh, they'll have a better year, that things will be a little more maybe in their favor for the next 12 months. But here's the thing, as Christians, we shouldn't be looking ahead just at having a brand new start. Our hope needs to be in God. We need to be looking at God and saying, you know, whatever comes this year, it may be a great year, it may be a terrible year, but I'm going to do it with God. I'm going to live this year and do my best with Jesus Christ because I know he's with me. And that is a great outlook to have. But as we look at the Great Commission, especially as we enter this new year, you know, how does it all fit together? Because like I, I mentioned, we know so much about the Great Commission. You know so much about the Great Commission. It's not a new topic, but there seems to be a great disconnect between all the knowledge that we have, but then the implementation. You know, how many books have been written on the Great Commission? How many messages have been preached? How many missionaries have you had come through your church? So many. And this knowledge that we've been accumulating, it's there and it's 
It's increasing year by year. And yet, how committed are we to the call to carry out the gospel far and near? How many uh, people have we discipled? How committed are you to discipleship right where you live, in your town, in your church, right there in the United States? Why do we have a generation of professing believers that are ever learning but never acting on the truth that they've learned? Where is the disconnect? Because something is not adding up. For all that we know, for all the knowledge we've accumulated, there's little efficiency, little action compared to how it could be. And, and don't get me wrong, there are a lot of churches that are doing great. There are individuals and people and families that have a heart for God and a heart for missions, and they're doing what they can with what they have. And we praise the Lord for people like that. But the question we need to be asking ourselves is, can we do, can we do more? Can we do better? And I think we have to go back to the basics. And we have to define what it is that we're actually trying to do. What are we to do as Christians? How are we to be as believers? I think we need to define even our values. You know, the American dream, it feeds a very self-centered lifestyle. You know, with the new year and everyone looking ahead and looking forward um, at the possibilities, at the opportunities, a lot of times it's a very selfish a uh, very self-centered outlook where we're, we're trying to see how can I do better? How can I be better? But this philosophy really undermines uh, what Christ is trying to accomplish in our life. The American dream tells us that we need to fulfill our dreams, that we need to, to go and to do what we can with what we have and try to build uh, something better. But God tells us that we should abandon ourselves that we need to stop trying to hold on to a life that needs to be offered to God. We're told that we need to protect our rights, but God says that we need to yield our rights. We're told that we need to cater to our comforts, but Jesus says that we need to be conformed to God's image. We're told that we need to secure our future, but yet, the Bible says that we need to sacrifice our future. All that we are and all that we ever hope to be needs to be given to God. We're told in this thing we call the American dream that we need to preserve our lifestyle with what we have and how we're used to living. But yet, instead of preserving our lifestyle, God says, practice your faith. Put into implementation the things that you know. Instead of uh, looking at the dream that we have here in America to invest in ourselves and to make something of ourselves, God says, invest in others. Look at what you can do to those around you in your community. It's interesting when we look at this American dream and how it very largely contradicts the Bible and our goals that we need to have as believers. Don't let culture mold and shape your values as a Christian. And I know that we are Americans, and I'm, I'm proud to be an American. I'm happy to be an American. Um, I love my country. I love our people, um, how we were raised, and all of that. Uh, I'm glad. I, I'm, I'm thankful for the sacrifice. 
that many have made so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we richly enjoy. But at the same time, the American dream is about you and only you. You know, people today, they want their forever home. <laughs> you know, watching the, the you know, the, the fixer-upper shows and all of that, you have all these people that are looking for their forever home. You know, people want that. People want the dream job. People want security and knowing that nothing will change, that how things are today are going to be how things are tomorrow, if not better, and if not in a greater way. Culture is always changing with its sense of morality and value system. But in contrast to the Bible, we have an authority and a standard that remains the same through time. And that's why we call the Bible our final authority, because we can't look to culture. We cannot gauge how we're doing in our success based on living the American dream, because that culture and those expectations are constantly changing. That dream home that you love so much in 10 years is going to be outdated. It's going to be run down. You're going to have to fix it again and again. That dream job that you want so much uh, after you have it for, for some time, uh, you're not going to be looking at it the same way that you did when you first got it. Everything is always in a state of change. Our culture is in a, in a state of change and flux. And so that is why we need to look to the Bible to define how we should live and what should be important to us. It's not about the American dream. I think today we're finding that people are replacing the gospel with living out the American dream. And this is really a, a terrible shift in our priorities because our whole life as believers, everything about us, all that we are now and all that we ever hope to be needs to be built around the gospel, living for Jesus and telling other people about him. And, and I know, I mean, who doesn't want to be comfortable, right? Who doesn't want to live that good life and have the house and have the car? I mean, those are fine. Those are great things to have. And if you have those things, you should not feel guilty about them. But we need to be looking forward to our relationship with God and our place in our faith community and what we are doing in our service to him. Sadly, the Christian interpretation as we embrace this dream here in America is that doesn't God want me to, to live a good life? Doesn't, want, doesn't God want me to be happy? Doesn't he want me to be experiencing good things and to be receiving good gifts? This is what a lot of people say. Many, they prefer a stress-free, comfort-driven, socially acceptable gospel, a gospel that fits their lifestyle. You know, we envision God according to who we want him to be. And I know we say God is love, and God is love. We say that God is merciful, that God understands, and that God is accepting. This is what we tell ourselves as we look at our shortcomings, as we look at our inconsistencies. When we look at our unfaithfulness, we just look at God and we say, ah, oh, God understands. He's merciful. He knows I'm just human. Listen, God is love, but he does not love your inaction. While God is love, he doesn't love how you deprioritize the things of God. 
God does understand, but I don't think God understands our disregard for his word. While God is accepting, I don't think he accepts our philosophy and outlook that opposes the biblical precedent that he has given us in his word. A lot of times we have made God to be someone else. You know, the Jesus of the Bible is very different from the Jesus that we're holding on to. When Jesus looked at some people and he said, follow me, they you know, said this, they said that. One guy said, hey, I need to go to a funeral. I need to bury my father. And that accepting, culturally sensitive Jesus would say, oh, you know what? Go do that. that. After all, that is important. Family is everything. And if you don't have family, what do you have? But Jesus didn't say this. He looked at him in Luke chapter 9, verse 60, and he said, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. That's a different Jesus from the one that we've envisioned, the one that we've created in our mind. The Jesus of the Bible when he says, follow me, and, and we give our reasons for why we can't do it or why just not right now, the Jesus of the Bible says, no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So how do we reconcile this Jesus with the one that we've created in our minds? Many have changed the Jesus of the Bible to a more culturally acceptable Jesus. We want a God that is there to accommodate our desires in our lifestyle choices. We want a God that's there just to approve what we're doing and how we're living. Because after all, if Jesus really loves you, then shouldn't he accept you for who you are? The Jesus behind the American dream calls you to self-advancement, self-sufficiency, and materialism. But friends, this is not the Jesus of the Bible. And how can we justify a life of indulgence while claiming that we are followers of Christ? It was, you know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. You know, where is your heart? As we start this brand new year, where is your heart? Has Jesus called us to lay up treasures, to live that life of indulgence, to try to, to get as much as we can get out of 2023? Is, is this year a year of getting? Or should it be a year of giving? Should it be a year where we can say, what can I give to God? How can I rearrange my life and my priorities so that I can give back to God because he's given so much to me? You see, the Jesus of the Bible in many ways is different from the one that we envision. The Jesus of the Bible is calling you to take up your cross. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. And people say, but if I accept this calling, if I accept this calling that Jesus is giving me, I don't know where it's going to lead me. And I don't know if I'm going to like it. There's always a chance. But if we love God, are we going to accept this call? He says, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. We have to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Number one, is Jesus worth it? And before you answer that question, I mean, think about this. Is Jesus really worth it? When he says that if you really want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You need to take up your cross and then follow me. Does that, what does that mean to us? Are we really, really wanting to follow Jesus? Or do we want to follow a different type of Jesus? <laughs> Is this the Jesus that we want to follow? You know, when we look at a soldier, you know, sometimes you see them going through the airport, uh, and we have a lot of respect for our military because of the sacrifice that they give in going to war and going to fight for our freedom. But when we look at that sacrifice, I think everyone would, would only admire their sacrifice, would only respect that choice to, to give their life, to give their very life for their country. But how much more should we respect the decision to follow Jesus? Why? What would instill in someone that desire to follow Jesus so much that they would be willing to sacrifice? Well, for the same reason that a soldier would be willing to go to war, to leave his country, to leave his home and his family, because of what he's fighting for, because of what he's trying to attain, because of the principles that, that, that brought them together and that are sending them out. Is it any different for the Christian? Are we not fighting? Are we not living for something that it has value and that is worth it? Is Jesus worth it? Is Jesus worth living for? In Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, I, again, a very familiar scripture. Paul here, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, I, I don't know if God is going to be calling you to sacrifice your life and to die for the cause. Probably not. I don't think that's in your future. But the, the bigger question, I believe, is are you willing not to die for him, but are you willing to live for him? Are you willing to live day by day? As we start January, as we enter the new year, are you willing to give your life for the cause of Christ? And of course, people, they say, yes, absolutely, Damon. I am wanting to do this. This is important to me. But I don't know if the cost is too high. Listen, if you have to ask yourself, is the cost too high, then then this is probably a cause that you don't believe in. Because if we truly believe in what we profess as Christians, as people of God, then there will be no hesitation. We're going to want to follow Jesus. We're going to want to, to look to him, to sacrifice our life, not 
not maybe in death, but as a living sacrifice. And if need be, maybe in death. I don't think we're there right now. I mean, we have so much freedom and liberty at the moment. Should the day come for that sacrifice, that's a, a whole different story. And I hope that we would make that decision to even follow Christ in death. But we're not there quite yet. Right now, just living for him. Are we willing to live for him? And he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. See, the world wants to conform you. They want you to be like everybody else, following after that American dream, following after what everyone is following after. But God wants you not to be conformed, but to be transformed. He wants you to be a new creature with new values. He wants you to be embracing this new life. What do you get for following Christ? What benefit is there to fulfilling the Great Commission and living a life of faithfulness? Well, what is your obedience to Christ worth? And what is the value of a soul? I think that we're often afraid because if we're really honest with God, we don't know if we're willing to give to him what he's asking from us. We just don't know if, if he says, follow me, will we go with him? Will we follow him or would we remain behind? Are you willing to offer the level of sacrifice and devotion that he deserves? We look back at 2022 at all of the resolutions and things we wanted to do but failed at and, and we say, man, what happened? Man, I guess we didn't have time or we got busy. Maybe we were committed elsewhere. We overestimated um, our part in doing these different things. Maybe we forgot and we give excuses for all of the reasons why we failed with last year's New Year's resolutions. But listen, with God, are you in? Or are you out? The great disconnect with the commission that we've received from our Lord is only there because we're not committing, we're not following through, we're not valuing the things that he values. What reason are we giving for our inaction? People through the years have looked at us and they said, you know, Brother Damon, I could never do what you do. I could never go to Africa. I could never live outside the United States. I could never live in a land that eats that type of food. I could never leave my family and friends. I could never sacrifice that much. And again, I don't think everyone should be a missionary to Africa. I don't think everyone should be involved in what we call uh, full-time Christian service uh, as an occupation whether a pastor or a missionary. That's not for everyone, but there is something for everyone to do in the Great Commission. We have to remember that because there are things that maybe we feel it's impossible for us to do. We're not in that position. We don't have the opportunity, but then there are things that we do have opportunities for, but we just choose not to do them. Uh, we have opportunities to serve God. We just don't want to. So be careful that we're not making excuses for the things that we should be doing and we're just wanting to do what we have chosen to do, what is important in our life. Ask yourself, what are you willing to do for God? You may say, well, Damon, I'm not strong enough. And, and I can really understand that. 
there are times, even in my life, having COVID so many times, um, you know, a couple of years ago, and it's been hard. I feel like my strength has gone down a bit. I'm not as strong as I used to be. But I remember the word of God where he says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We need to rely on God's strength. It's in our weakness that God shows himself strong. And I think it's in our weakness that God can say, let me help you. Let me work through you. Some people, they say, well, I'm not empowered to do this job. But God's word says, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. You see, we have that power. God would never give us a responsibility or a task that he hasn't also empowered us to achieve and to complete. You may say, I'm not called. But what does the Bible say? He says, I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. We are chosen. God has chosen us. God has chosen you to do the job that only you can do. And he wants to use you in a, in a really great way. But are you willing? Some people say, well, I'm not able. I'm just not able. And, and I say that a lot too. Because <laughs> I look at different things that we're involved in and I'm like, man, I'm not able to continue. I'm not able to press forward. I don't feel that, that strength that I used to have. I don't feel like we have what we need to, to press forward and to press onward. But then I remember what the Bible says in Ephesians. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. We're talking about the power that is working in you. God has empowered you. Maybe you're not able, but God is. And God has a plan and God has a way that he wants you to serve him. Not everyone should be working abroad. Not everyone should be perhaps a missionary in sub-Saharan Africa, but God has given you his spirit. We have the same spirit of God that the early church had. What are we doing with the power God's given us? Are we valuing the things of God? Are we valuing God himself the way that the early church did as the gospel spread and as disciples were made? Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 says where, where Paul here is talking, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ. Paul was willing to suffer loss because he valued the things of God. Paul looked at everything he had in his life, everything that the world would count as really important. Everything that, uh, that his society would value, Paul said, I'm counting this as loss. I want to win Christ. I want to move forward with, with God. We're going to follow the things that we value. We're going to prioritize the things we value. We're going to even suffer. We're going to even be willing to sacrifice for the things that we value. That's what Paul is, is talking about here. And he said in verse 10, that I may know him. 
Why? Why was Paul willing to do all of that? Why was Paul willing to sacrifice and to suffer loss? Because he wanted to know Christ. His Christianity was real. It wasn't a program. It wasn't an add-on. It wasn't him fulfilling the Roman dream. It was, I want to know God. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. What are we doing right now? What are we doing right now with what God has given us as we start 2023? How has the gospel shaped your life? This past Sunday, I was preaching to our church here in the city of Chapada, and I try to be positive. I do. But I looked at everyone and I said, in 100 years, will we be just as consumed with everything that we think is really vitally important as we do right now? Are we going to be really looking back at these things that we are doing? Maybe the things that we feel are so important that perhaps takes us away from the work of God. Are we still going to value those things? And the answer obviously is no, because in 100 years, you're going to be dead. I'm going to be gone. Everyone you know is not going to be alive. And so what things at that point are you going to look back and value? Well, the, the things that you have done for Christ the things that you have done for God. We need to value the things that are important. Don't wait to look back and say, well, I should have valued those things. Make that decision today. I'm going to value God, my relationship with God, my relationship with my family, with friends, my relationship with people around me so that I can win Christ, so that I can persuade people and help people to know the truth. This is what we need to do. What needs to be our goal for this coming year. God wants you to be willing to do anything, to go anywhere. Have you ever spun a globe? Maybe when you were a kid, you got, you got a globe and you spun it around really fast and then you just kind of stuck your finger down. Like, I want to go here. And then you look and you're like in the Bahamas and you're like, man, I could go there. And, and you kind of, you spin it a couple times and you put your finger down. Would you be willing to allow God to, to spin the globe and put his finger down anywhere and say, Lord, I would be willing to go there. And God said, would you be willing to go here? Or what about here? Or what about there? What about on this little remote island? <laughs> Listen, it's not about leaving the USA. I'm not trying to recruit you to be a missionary. But it's about loving God so much that you would be willing to go anywhere. It's about loving God so much that should he ask you, the answer would automatically and immediately be yes. This is the kind of love that God is looking for. And that person will be actively serving God, leading people to the Lord, making disciples on the streets of America. A new year really is about new beginnings. But think about, have you purposed in your heart what kind of devotion you're going to have, the level of your devotion for 2023? Have you submitted yourself to God's will to do whatever he should ask, to go wherever he should call? It could be right where you live. It could be in another state. 
It could be somewhere else in America or even around the world. But are you willing? Are you willing? Are you increasing in knowledge so that you can use that knowledge to lead other people to Christ? One of the number one reasons that I hear about people not going out evangelizing and sharing their faith is that they say, I just don't know what to say. I mean, I know what I did in my life. I know what I believed, but I have a hard time communicating that. Well, maybe this year, make that decision. I'm going to learn how to evangelize. I'm going to learn how to share my faith. I'm going to look at the Bible and be able to know how to show people what the Bible says about the truth that I have believed. Today, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you and he's saying, follow me. The call hasn't changed, but it's your choice. It's your choice. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11 through 13. The Bible says, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's something we can look forward to. As you're starting a brand new year, what kind of person ought you to be? What are you looking forward towards? Are you looking, are you looking towards the hastening of the coming of our Lord? Are you looking forward to Christ coming back? Are you living in a way that reflects that anticipation? Are you living in a way that reflects the hope that is within you? Or are you still working on your forever home? <laughs> Listen, we, we, we sing the, the hymn, This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. But yet we live like we're going to be here forever. We're building a dynasty. Today, tomorrow, and the day after that. Make the choice to follow Christ. Don't wait. Make it today. Serve God. Give him your life. If you haven't accepted him, accept Christ. But if you're listening and you've, you're, you've already accepted Christ, you've already received his gift of eternal life, well then what are you doing now with what he's given you? What are you doing with the truth of God's word? And how will you make an impact on those around you? So I pray that this is an encouragement to you and that you can feel empowered that God has a job for you and you can do it. It's a brand new year and it's, there's going to be difficult times. There will be hard times, awkward times, uncomfortable times. But you know, you're not doing this alone. You're doing it with God. You're working with God and you have other people around you. Look to the people in your church for help and for guidance. Look to your pastor. And that's why we have a church, so that we can serve God together, so that we can move forward together. Well, maybe you're looking forward to this year and you're saying, I want to get more involved in the mission work abroad, the mission work internationally. I want to help get the gospel out. Uh, first, I would recommend that you get active uh, doing something for God right where you live. But if you are thinking about the work of God going on around the world, um, our ministry at Hope Zambia, we've been doing what we do for 22 years. 
um, all over Zambia, and it has been quite the adventure. Uh, we've been in the village, we're in the city, we have a potential radio broadcast, but everything that we do here, we operate based on volunteer on a volunteer basis through the offerings and donations of people like you and churches and organizations that share in this vision to get the gospel out. And as the work continues to grow, well, the cost of being here continues to grow and the cost of operating a ministry continues to grow. And so if you feel led to partner with us, uh, go to our website at hopezambia.com. You can learn more about who we are and what we're doing and how you can give to the cause. Um, or if you want to write me directly, we would love to hear from you. You know, I am really excited about this year. I feel like it has so much potential and I feel like so much good can be done. I think Christ is coming back soon and I think we have a job to do. And I think as we move forward, we better get it done quick. Use the time that you have. Use it to give God the glory. So from all of us here in Zambia to all of you, wherever you may be, take care and have a great day. God bless.